I've been teaching at Harvard Divinity School since 2005, a, a one semester course on preaching, thematic preaching, a seminar classes some years as small as four or five, one year as many as 13. The students come from Harvard Divinity School, hello Nora, and from the Boston University School of Theology and for the past several years from the Harvard Graduate School of Education, students who are fellows in the Doctor of Educational Leadership program. And my goal is to teach them all how to pay better attention how to write for people who are listening, not reading, how to deliver a sermon, how to be real in the pulpit, how not to drop your voice at the end of the sentence. <laughs> but the fact is, really, these students teach one another. They critique, and as I put it, I keep the room safe. They write on index cards things that are positive about person who has spoken, and thanks for their growth, a glow and a grow, they say. Here is a delta, they say, something finite that can change, and they all preach on hope, on, pop, on uh, poetry, on justice, on their vocation. They write a sermon every week and preach to the room five times during our 12 weeks together. They preach at a wedding for a fictional couple, and they preach at a memorial service from an obituary that is totally made up. And there will come a magical week when I will say at the end of class, today you are ordained. You may think that ordination is a point in time, but I will tell you that it is not. Ordination happens over time in big and small ways. You are becoming ordained as a minister. And today, that wedding you did, today, that memorial service you did, that sermon you preached, and what you said and then how you said it, the way you held yourself, the look in your eyes, the words you chose, you moved even closer to who it is you will become. And to the ed school students, it's the same. Maybe it was a sermon they preached in class. Maybe it was a speech they gave to an imaginary state educational conference. Today, I said, you have moved closer to who you will become. You chose words that made you a leader in education. I saw it happen. I, I was there. And as I said those words again to this class this fall, this sermon for today began. Ordination. Ordination is in Mark Richards being ordained in this spot right here in late November. Ordination is in my own ordination back in 1972 in my home church in Waterville, Maine, when I spilled communion grape juice everywhere. <laughs> ordination is in the laying on of hands and the right hand of fellowship and the charge to the minister and the charge to the congregation. This 
First Parish in Concord has ordained many over the years. Mark, Sharon, Diane, Eric, Paul, and so many more. You are a teaching congregation. You take it seriously, and I thank you. It's a legacy. Ordination. For some reason, at some point this fall, I bumped the word ordination up against the word ordinary, and I wondered, can there be a sermon here? Well, of course there can. (laughs) Different parts of speech, but certainly root words and meanings in common. Ordination, a noun. Ordain a verb, late 13th century from the French to admit to the ministry of the church. From the old French, place in order, designate. From the Latin, ordo, arrange, appoint, rank. And then ordinary, an adjective, early 15th century, belonging to the usual order, customary, regular, usual, orderly, from the same Latin, ordo, arrange, appoint, rank. In the liturgical calendar found in the high churches, higher than here, believe me, (laughs) there's a a long period in the year, back to the end of Pentecost, which is in June, until Advent, late November, early December, that long span of time in the liturgical year is called ordinary, ordinary time. Ordinary time like summer picnics splashing at the beach, ordinary time like school starting, football, soccer, raking leaves, Halloween, even Thanksgiving, all ordinary, ordinary times. You are becoming ordained as a minister, I will say to these students. The way you held yourself, the look in your eyes, the words you chose, you've moved that much closer to who you will become. Those are words not just for an academic classroom. Those are words not just for students on a career track. I think those are words for all of us, maybe even a prayer for all of us to be said at the end of the day. Today, in what you said and how you said it, the way you held yourself, the look in your eyes, the words you chose, you moved closer to who it is you will become. And all of you, whoever you are, you are becoming, still becoming a mother or a father. Who knows when that begins or when that ends? Becoming a son or a daughter. Who knows when we will get that right? Becoming a spouse. Oh, how I always wanted to say this to the couple in front of me at a wedding ceremony. I wanted to say this is a date in time, I would say. But there will be other dates in your marriage jam-packed with life and love and challenges and brinkmanship and utter despair and soaring joy and beginnings and endings and turning points. This is only a moment in time, I would say, at this wedding. When the state recognizes something and you've gone public with your love, But becoming a spouse or a partner or a husband or a wife, that takes a lifetime. I'm reminded of the time early in my ministry when I performed an informal 
marriage ceremony at the front of the sanctuary in Bangor, Maine, all of us standing in a circle at the front, me totally unnerved by the bride's mother. She fixed my hair at the beginning. The ceremony was over, and I realized this was the first wedding where no music played to indicate it was over. Always to this very day, confusing the two words marriage and wedding, I blurted out, the marriage is over. (laughs) The bride's mother... And all the rest, they looked totally stunned. (laughs) Wedding, point in time. Marriage, hopefully longer than that. (laughs) Today, in what you said and how you said it, the way you held yourself, the look in your eyes, the words you chose, you move closer to who it is you will become. Because you see, we are all third graders becoming fourth graders. We are juniors becoming seniors. We are graduates becoming employed. We're employed becoming unemployed. We are becoming doctors, lawyers, teachers, artists, consultants. Whoever it is that you are, we are working, we are retired, we are living, we are dying. I tell my dear doctor at my annual physical when she asks, any complaints? I say, well, at age 71, I lived with new normals. If I had had this acre pain at age 40, I would have come running to you. And she nods. (laughs) We are becoming, you and I. There is no static being. We are always in change. And for that reason, we just rush by things. So I ask these same students to keep a journal, a sermon journal. Pay attention, I say every year as the class begins in early September. Please look and please notice what's going on around you. Look, look for the ordinary in your life. Keep track of whatever you encounter this week that could be the beginning of a sermon. From the news, a poem, a chance meeting with someone, two moments that come together in unexpected ways, a story you might hear, a dream you might have. Look for the ordinary. It's the same as the sermon I preached every Sunday from this pulpit here. Pay attention, be grateful. And look for when the two moments become one. Attentiveness and gratitude. Winston Hugh Auden, English and American poet, knew all about this. The kitchen table exists because I scrub it. It seems to have shrunk during the holidays. The streets are much narrower than we remembered. We had forgotten the office was as depressing as this. The time being is, in a sense, the most trying time of all. The time being, ordinary time, 
customary, regular, usual, the table, the streets, the office. I've always thought of Christmas, each Christmas, as a snapshot in time. Whatever we call family, captured there in a photo, growing, shrinking, growing again, families reshaping, a flash photo, a selfie, we are becoming. Time does not stand still. In my ministry, I would sometimes ask the couple about to be married to turn and look into the eyes of all the family and friends they had invited. Take a mental picture for yourself, I would say. This is the tribe that will be by your side in the years to come. By your side through it all, if you're lucky. Pay attention. Be grateful. Look for when those two moments become one. Galloway Kennel knew all about this. St. Francis on the sow. Sometimes it's necessary to reteach a thing. It's loveliness, the poet says. And then he has St. Francis, of all people, put his hand on the creased forehead of a pig, of all animals. And here's an image of the ordinary. Here's an image of becoming. Here is attentiveness and gratitude all in one. And the sow began remembering all down her thick length from the earth and snout all the way through the fodder and slops to the spiritual curl of the tail, from the hard spininess spiked out from the spine down through the great broken heart to the blue milken dreaminess, the long, perfect loveliness of sow. So here's Extraordinary time. Birth, baptism, dedication, coming of age, graduation, 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 marriage maybe, ordination, passing the bar, teaching certificate, match day, job offer, Christmas, birthdays, decade birthdays, all this and more, red letter days. Extraordinary time. But ordinary time. Noticing the kitchen table in the new year. Touching the snout of a pig. Ordinary time. The stuff of the sermon journals in HDS 2908. The child on the bus. The homeless person in Harvard Square. The unexpected kindness in the grocery line. The bird singing outside my window. The conversation with a roommate. The singing with a prison inmate. Tim Warren, of blessed memory here, told me once that he had pulled off Route 2 in the past week, driving home from Boston and work, and enjoyed a spectacular sunset. I remembered your sermon, he said. I remembered your sermon to stop. Attentiveness and gratitude all in one. He found it. Today, in what you said, and how you said it, the way you held yourself, the look in your eyes, the words you chose, you move closer to who it is you will become. Have you ever caught someone you love in the sunlight, and they are not looking at you, but they are staring out there, and you can see in their face in their expression, 
what they once looked like or what they will look like. I once saw that in my own children. I see it in my grandchildren now. It's breathtaking. I see an 11-year-old tween as she will look as a young woman. Ordinary time crossing into transcendence. Transcendence. It's the new year. Who knows what it holds? Mostly the ordinary, I would guess. May it all be a blessing to us. May we embrace it and become ordained ourselves. Being and becoming. Being and becoming. Being and becoming. Into the fullness of truth.